0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Debrief. This week, we're taking a look at Pope Francis himself and his priorities. First of all, the Holy Father's message for the World Day of Prayer, for care for creation, then his recent interview with Telemundo, and then we'll wrap with what else does Pope Francis see himself needing to do? In just a second, Mike Lewis will join us on The Debrief. Hey friends, welcome to The Debrief. It's the weekly show where we're talking about news, questions, and controversies facing the Catholic Church. I'm Dominic DeSouza, the founder of Smart Catholics.
1: And I'm Mike Lewis, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of wherepeteris.com.
0: So busy week for the Holy Father, Mike. He's got a theme for the season of creation and it's let justice and peace flow. And uh, we have a message for the World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation, which takes place on September 1st. Can you, let's just start with what is the season of creation? Yeah, so the season of creation
1: started uh, several years ago during this papacy following Laudato C. Um, It begins on September 1st, and it carries on through the Feast of St. Francis, which is October 4th. Um, He's had a, you know, this is one of those events where Pope Francis, uh, you know, people are invited to the Vatican. Um, Pope Francis gives a special message. Um, mm-hmm. It's a time for the church to focus on on care for creation. Um, and so, I, in the past, you know, I, I I used to work for the for Catholic Climate Covenant, and we, um, you know, it was a big deal for us. It's a big deal for the global church. In you know, in Latin America, in Africa, in Europe, there's a lot of focus on it. Um, but anyway, so this year, um, the theme is let justice and peace flow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Pope Francis said that he um, draws that title from the words of the prophet Amos, let justice flow on like a river, uh, righteousness like a never failing stream. Um, basically, he said that he, he was given the uh, inspiration for this theme last year during his trip to Canada Um, he was in Alberta and I don't know if, I mean, there were a lot of, uh, pictures of him sitting in his wheelchair on the edge of, uh, Lake St. Anne in Alberta. Um, Mm -hmm. and you could see he was, he was deep in prayer and reflecting on the beauty of nature. Um, in his statement, he says that that lake has been a place of pilgrimage for many generations of indigenous people. Now the basic theme of this, uh, of this year, Is uh is water. Um those of us in the developed world take drinking water for granted. Um now I know that in Ohio, for example, there was a chemical spill and people uh you know, in that in that part of the world, I believe Steubenville and you know, north northeast Ohio are um you know the water isn't drinkable. Well wow, that's the case for millions and millions of people in different parts of the world, in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia. Um, they don't have, you know, usable drinking water. Their rivers are polluted. Um, places are exploited, you know, uh, natural resources a factory might dump into rivers. Um, and so I just wanted to pull one quote um, and highlight for those who are who are watching this. Um, What he said is uh, what Pope Francis said was consumerist greed fueled by selfish hearts is disrupting the planet's water cycle. The unrestrained burning of fossil fuels and the destruction of forests are pushing temperatures higher and leading to massive droughts. Alarming water shortages increasingly affect both small rural communities and large metropolises. Moreover, predatory industries are depleting and polluting our freshwater sources. Um, this is a life issue. Um, there are people all over the world. I think I read in, in Ethiopia, something like 60% of people don't have access to clean drinkable water on a regular basis. So, um, you know, the water that people bathe in, you know, modern plumbing is most of the world doesn't have that. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but it's incredible the way that we will exploit other countries to, um, you know, the developed world, sort of this ideological or industrial c- colonization uh, to take their natural re- resources and, and leave people with nothing. Um, also as part of the climate crisis, you know, the more we burn fossil fuels, the more carbon gets emitted into the air, um, the higher temperatures rise and people in the, you know, near the equator have to, are forced to migrate. To areas where they, you know, where they can farm, where they can earn a living, and this leads to conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it, there's been some uh, cattle migration in Nigeria, for example, and that's led to a lot of um, basically the the Muslim cattle ranchers are in the north, and then in the mm-hmm. south you have the Christian uh, farmers, and so because of the the water shortages the the cattle ranchers are coming down south and entering the territory where they you know previously had stayed out of and and that's factored into a lot of this this violence um on top of religious violence it's the these property rights it's people bringing cattle into farmland it's you know this is this is a big issue and and i don't think that that we understand uh the extent to which uh harm to the environment is causing people.
0: So it's, it seems like we don't hear uh, much about Laudato Si or care for the earth in the U.S. church. Uh, You mentioned like the first world, we don't have to deal with a lot of the trials that so many other, um, other people do. Why do you think that is? Why are, why are we not championing this discussion and, and leading and helping to make that impact or that difference?
1: Well, I think part of it is obviously what, what we've already discussed is that we, we aren't facing these challenges as, um, you know, as readily or as, you know, as much as people in the global South and people near the equator are experiencing them. Um, I think the United States is unique in a way because in other countries, they acknowledge the reality of climate change and, you know, they might debate over how to address it in the United States, in our political realm, um, we have people who who deny the existence of it, or or who deny that that it even occurs. So there's that extra added layer of, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just how do we address it. It's does it exist, and how do mm-hmm. we address it? And I mean, there have been studies and things that have gone on about how, uh, you know, the U.S. bishops uh, in their, you know, in their public statements and and in their, uh, you know, diocesan columns. Uh you know, less than one percent have even mentioned Lidado Sea si or have mentioned the environment. I think a lot of the things in Lidado Sea si have been mocked. Um, Pope Francis, for example, said, you know, try to avoid using air conditioning, you know, and people mocked that. Um, obviously, you know, depending on the part of the world you live in, yes, air conditioning is necessary, but if you've ever been to like Las Vegas or Disney World, you have these you know, open air stores, you know, 98 degree Fahrenheit heat. And, uh, and there's the storefront is wide open and air conditioning is just being pumped through, you know, these are, I mean, this is a waste of air conditioning. Obviously if it's, if you live in a region of the world or if your summers are super hot, yes, by all means use it. But I think, you know, I think that that's been exploited in a bad way. I also think that, um, when people talk about uh, in the United States, when we bring up climate change as being an issue, um, a lot of Catholics poo-poo it, or they say that's not a real issue, that's not a big issue. I mean, you know, the, there's there are these culture war issues or these non-negotiables that people want to focus on, mm-hmm. and they want to belittle issues that are matters of life and death for people in yeah. other parts of the world. Um, And I think that's, I mean, that's one of the, the, you know, unfortunate aspects of, of the lack of reception of Pope Francis's message in the United States church. Um, people fail to note these, you know, these big global challenges or to take a step Mm -hmm. back and, and look at these serious human rights issues from, you know, from a global perspective. And they only talk about it, you know, from their own experience.
0: Mm -hmm. That's it. So that's always going to be the challenge of like the, um, the ballot perspective instead of the, beatitude attitude, um, perspective, moving on. Like he talked to the Telemundo, um, network and he had an interview with them, which I haven't yet seen. You said was really good. Um, so we're going to put the link in the show notes. Uh, and you said the interview covered a range of topics. What, uh, what do they cover?
1: Yeah. So I basically, you know, this is the latest interview that, uh, dropped, it dropped yesterday, Thursday, um, or it dropped this morning. The interview was conducted on thursday and so he talked about everything um, from his health which he says he's doing much better he's walking okay. again his knee has, is much better but he's had some pain um, he talked about the war in ukraine and peace he talked about migration um spent a lot of time actually talking about migration talked about it in in um you know at the us-mexico border and in italy um talked about women in the church he talked about uh priestly celibacy um, they asked him if celibacy um, was related to abuse if they were able if um, you know if one of the causes was because people were celibate and he pushed back against that saying that most abuse occurs in families and a lot of times it's it's married people, it's wow. uncles, it's fathers, it's grandfathers. Um, so he he pushed back against that idea. Um, there is one issue that, that jumped out where I've already seen a bit of criticism. And so I, I wanted to, you know, nip that one in the bud. It's an issue that's come up several times. Um, and that is on the issue. They asked him about abortion and they, Mm -hmm. you know, they said, well, what about in, in tough cases? You know, what about the church's teaching, you know, would you be willing to bend it on this or this or this? And, um, and so let me, let me show you the answer and, and we'll talk his answer. And we'll talk about the controversy. Um, let me see. Did that pop up?
0: There yeah, it is. So okay. His quote on, on abortion.
1: I say this about, oh, did it disappear again? Sorry. My computer's being a little slow. So the graphics are, have a little lag. I say this about abortion in any second year and a university embryology book, it says that a month after conception, even before the mother is aware she is pregnant, the entire organ system is already drawn inside, and the DNA is clear. Then he continues. In other words, it is a living being. I'm not saying a person, it's a living being. So I ask myself a question. Is it lawful to eliminate a living being to solve a problem? Second question. Is it lawful to hire a hitman to solve a problem? And there you have it. You're not getting me out of there because it is the truth.
0: I love his little phrase. You're not getting me out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so <And> so <laughs> what's with the, the, why did he drop that little reference to person versus living being? I think that's where a lot of the, the controversy well, is coming, right?
1: And this is, you know, Francis has been very strong on engaging this issue in a secular context, he said Mm -hmm. countless times, this is not a religious issue. This is a human issue. This is an issue of human rights. Now there are a lot of secular ethicists. I mean, even some religious ethicists that put forward a view that we don't know when personhood begins. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, one, uh, a professor from Princeton, Peter Singer, uh, he has this notion that, um, you know, a human being doesn't attain personhood until they're about two years old. Others like to draw the line at at birth, even though they think, well, they're not really a person until a little bit after that. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's based on this idea of when do they uh, gain consciousness. Really, it's this uh, attempt to build a slippery slope argument to justify mm-hmm. abortion. Now, the Catholic Church isn't terribly interested in this question of when personhood begins. Um, people obviously talk about Thomas Aquinas's ideas of quickening or ensoulment, um, and those are based on obsolete science. Now, John Paul II was very clear mm-hmm. that we are to treat from the moment of conception the embryo or the zygote as a as a human person but Mm -hmm. there's a theological question and and this is something that Pope uh John Paul II Saint John Paul had to get a little bit uh creative with the language on because when you look at the issue of twins Mm -hmm. you know you start with one zygote with one embryo and then after a certain amount of time it splits into two well Mm -hmm. if you've only got one is that one person or two persons and then at the moment of the split is each one of them half a person you know there's this theological question that we haven't quite settled yet um Mm -hmm. so we can't say with that uh you know absolute definitive it's a person Mm -hmm. um you know from that moment of conception but it but basically what john paul and francis have been saying is it might as well be a person it's a human life it's the beginning of a human life it's the beginning of personhood, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, triplets or quadruplets or just one baby. Um, But I just, you know, I want to nip this in the bud because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: basically what Pope Francis is saying is you can have your personhood debates, whatever. That's not, I'm not even, I'm not even getting into that. It is a living being. It is a human life. And so that's what he's emphasizing. And it's because he's not speaking, he's not trying to reaffirm us Mm-hmm. in our beliefs about abortion. We're Catholics. We believe what the church teaches about human life and the sanctity of human life and human dignity. He's trying to dialogue with the secular world with, you know, the scientific community about look, this is a human life. The DNA is intact. We're already looking at a developing human being within, you know, a few weeks we have fingers, toes, eyes and everything else. Um so that's I mean I and I wrote about this because, uh, he gave a similar answer when America magazine did an interview with him last year. Um, Gloria Purvis asked a question about human life and he, and he brought it up then as well. So we're going to add that article to the show notes just to explain it probably a little bit more articulately than I did just now. But, um, you know, I've already seen chatter on Twitter about how he's denying the personhood of, of the, um, you know, of, of the unborn and he's promoting abortion. And that's not it at all. Mm -hmm. He made it clear, look, you're not bending.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not bending on this issue. This is, you know, this is human life and, and we can't take it. And he of course used the hitman analogy
0: again. Again. Yeah. I was impressed to hear how, how, Clear and insistent he was on this in the the Hulu documentary, the Disney's one. Called oh yeah, Amen. And he, the, the kids were in the oh, kids were in the room, yeah. and he's talking to them, and he brought up this same point. And I thought, wow, that's I mean, very very direct, you know, on this issue.
1: And you know, it's funny because um I've looked at I've looked at Pope Francis's. Now it was totally unscientific, but I did a search for the words um, "unborn abortion." Um, and um, I'm trying to think of the other terms, but um, the basically I tried to see, like, how often has Pope Francis said this? And I did it, you know, about seven years into his papacy, and I compared it to the number of instances that Benedict said it. And France I think, mentioned abortion and the un significantly more than uh than benedict had and it's i mean it's interesting because it's like i mean they you know they each have their own area of emphasis but it's it the media coverage Mm -hmm. is um it's interesting how how you know benedict could throw in a line like threats against the family into the you know into his into his speech and the headline would be you know pope blasts gays you know and whereas Pope Francis could throw a yeah. whole thing about artificial contraception and humane Vitae into his speech and you know Pope reaches out to migrants you know it's it's yeah, kind they, of a it's a lot of it is what, in the what do you think thats
0: they're, they're burned out or they they like a certain image of him or you know I think
1: it, it I mean it, it depends journalist to journalist obviously they have um you know some of some of them are maybe more progressive and, but they like the Pope. So they want to present what, you know, in their eyes, a positive perception of him. Um, I do know that like, I mean, for example, the Abu Dhabi joint declaration, you know, it was very strong about marriage. Um, it was very strong about abortion and the pundits or the critics decided to focus on the line about, uh religious diversity um and so it's i mean i think a lot of it has to do with the aim that people are going for um Mm -hmm. and they'll ignore tons and tons of i mean i hear so for example i had i had a job a freelance job maybe four or five years ago where you know i was building up social media posts for um that were taken from pope francis's quotes and they said, you know, go through his his Wednesday audiences and pull quotes, you know. And but they said that our audience isn't uber religious, so you know, stay away from things like, you know, repentance and uh, you know the rosary and devotion to Mary. But just sort of like, you know, wisdomy things that the. So okay, so this is you know, we've got to tailor it to our audience. And I had the hardest time with some of these audiences dodging words about repentance and sin and conversion and salvation and you know it it's kind of amazing and then i'll see trolls that say he never talks about god he never talks about sin he never talks about repentance mm-hmm. um and it's it's just a very selective reading and i think with every pope it's been that way um mm-hmm. you know if you talk to a hardcore traditionalist um and hear them talk about john paul ii and benedict you know especially on issues of uh you know ecumenism into religious affairs um existing in modern society talking about science um you know you're going to get a very different impression of them than you would from you know the american culture war standpoint or from the you know hardcore progressive standpoint i think Uh, it depends on what your priorities are. And it depends on what you think of the guy. And I think it it has to do with, with what you prop up. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think when, and when it comes to Pope Francis, there's, you know, there's really, and, and it's funny because people who haven't been following what's going on in the U S but I'll talk to um, Catholics from France or from Italy or from Latin America. And they're like, what are you talking about, about him being a heretic or being a liberal? He's, he's a Catholic. Like these are the mm-hmm. things that we talk about in, you know, in the Catholic church here. And whereas I think in the U S we just have a very, very individualized experience.
0: So talking our, our last talking point, then uh, you were struck by something. The Holy father said there was a question put to him. So what yeah. does he have Let's left put it to up. do? Or There Let's, you go. Here, we'll those are watching. Up. So okay. take that away. What do you think is going to happen there? And what do you
1: feel you still have to do? And the Pope answered everything. It's funny. The more you do, the more you realize that you still, that, well, this is a copy and paste. you still have so much left to do. It's like insatiable, this thing. Granted, this is a translation. Um, it kind of struck me as funny because obviously he is 86 years old. He started having health problems. Um, A lot of his major accomplishments, um, you know, the Synod on Synodality will end next year. There's a Jubilee year in the year 2025. He's reorganized the governance of the Diocese of Rome, the Vatican City State, uh, overhauled the Curia. But I also look back at early in this papacy because I've been following him from day one and it's amazing that the things that people are talking about or the things that are resonating with people um, were resonating with people back then. Um, there's been a big evolution. You know, I mean, he was planting seeds, I think. I think Evangelii Gaudium, his first exhortation, gave a, a blueprint for the type of papacy that he wanted. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until around 20... 16 2017 that he really started talking about synodality and then it was 2018 when he um when he put forward the um well when the international theological commission put forward a document on synodality which really developed his thought and obviously now we're in a synod on synodality um 2018 was also the year uh of that trip to to chile which was probably his least successful at least in the short-term uh, trip that he took, that he's taken during his papacy. Um, and then the McCarrick crisis and uh, Viganò's intervention took place. So uh, 2018 was was a, a turning point year when it came to addressing the abuse crisis. Um, he's revamped the um, commission, uh, the Pontifical Commission, Pontifical Commission on the Protection of Minors. They're doing a lot more work in developing infrastructure for safeguarding in the third world. Um, He's put forward, a, uh, you know, he split the CDF into two sections or the DDF now into two sections um, where one of them is disciplinary, where they deal with priests who have uh, committed sexual abuse against minors or or any kind of sexual abuse. Um, So yeah, I think it's, it's interesting that a lot of these things have evolved late in the papacy. A lot of them have, have definitely come in the second half. Um, but yeah, he just, I mean, I don't know if this has been your impression, but it's like these things just sort of pop up as priorities and, and he's got all these gears going mm-hmm. um, as this papacy continues.
0: I definitely, have, I mean, just from a casual observing, mostly from y'all's reporting, he came out swinging. Uh, landed a couple of the of key big projects and then kind of went underground for, I don't know, maybe a year or two where things weren't too massive. And then now these big seismic upheavals in just restructuring things for the future, for the the next pontiff, um, but certainly to get things a little more, um, I don't know, moving faster, more responsive to how critical things well, are. and
1: And that's something that um, Austin Ivory is always trying to emphasize is that uh, Pope Francis is focused on starting processes, not on, you know, solving every problem because we can't solve problems that are as wide as people feeling disenfranchised by the church or, mm-hmm. you know, the abuse crisis or, you know, anything that involves human sin, something like clericalism. Uh, you know, how can we change the attitudes of you know, generations of, of bishops and, and priests, or, or you look at the culture of the Roman Curia, which has always been sort of this, you know, nepotistic, not proactive, not terribly careful organization. And, you know, it's, it's the matter of changing a culture, but what he seems to be doing, especially with synodality, um, is, is sort of getting, getting the gears in motion and it's funny because i think a lot of people talk about the synod on synodality as if it's going to be vatican three or it's going to change church teaching or something like that and no this is a synod about synodality it's the idea i think is just to get us used to this this concept of participating as as the people of god in the work of the church to feel to understand as um you know as lumen gentium put forth that we we're actually stakeholders we actually, by our baptism, we are priest, prophet, and king. And we, yeah. I mean, in our own way, we have authority and we have a voice in the church. And that's been ignored for
0: a long time. I was going to say, this feels like, from my limited kind of viewpoint, this whole thing on synodality seems like the first time the, the structure has stepped in to start uh, living out and honoring the, the calls that were made in Vatican II. Like, we've maybe been trying and they've kind of been trying and now we're, now we're trying together.
1: Yeah. And this is, and one of the things I think, and it's really remarkable um, that we're acknowledging, and and this is not to say anything about, not to contradict doctrine or anything like that, but to actually acknowledge that there are people that are hurt mm-hmm. or leave the church due to decisions of the church, due to teachings of the church, due to administrative changes in the church. I mean people's churches get shut down, you know, in the United States in these dioceses. And I remember because it, I was living in Philadelphia at the time and they were merging some churches and there were some parishioners, you know, some older parishioners, you know, it was blue collar part of Philly and this Philly guy is, you know, standing out in front of the in front of the church and he's like, "What, well, you know, and I don't remember the name of the parish, but he's like, "I'm not going to St. Agnes" those people over there, they're too uppity. I'm not going there. This is my, (laughs) you know, and it's like, I mean, and, and we all bring our own gifts to the table. I don't think that this gentleman knows much about, you know, Ladado C, or, uh, you know, could tell you what a synod was necessarily. I mean, maybe he does, but what he knows is he likes going to St. you know, Mark's and that's his parish. And he likes the, the, You know, he likes the priest, and he wants to raise up his kids Catholic, and and that's it. You know, and and that's fine. You know, we're at all levels. Not everyone is as big a nerd about Catholic stuff as I am, and it. You (laughs) know, we are. (laughs) we are. And and I mean, it's part of it is our upbringing, and part of it is just sort of where our where our interests lie. And one of the one of the important lessons, it's it's a lesson in maturity, I think, when when you think about these things is. Not everyone thinks the way you do, and I'm not talking in terms of agree and disagree, I'm saying they don't think the way you do. Like, if you're most if if you're a liturgy nerd and you insist and and all you do is think about the liturgy and this prayer in the liturgy and that prayer in the liturgy and why did they translate this that way and you know why don't they do this or why did they change that, like okay, those are those are your interests, but it's a big church. And I'm going to tell you that 99.5% of Catholics don't think about those things.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um, well, that's, uh, I think, a good segue to our talking point for next week. It just landed. Can you hint at what we plan to talk about next uh, Yeah, next so
1: just, you know, when we, we have a slot in the show notes about what, what to talk about next week. And I, I noticed that the uh, Vatican Press Office um, is going to be having a press conference on Monday, uh, mm-hmm. About a new document on engagement with social media, so I think uh we'll definitely have an eye on that um also, I just want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day weekend if you're in the United States um and uh it's Pentecost this weekend, so um you know happy Pentecost the end of the the end of the Easter season, so I don't know if you have plans, Dominic, but
0: hamburgers <laughs> that's okay good hot dogs good. that's keep it simple. Mike, um, thanks for the debrief. Again, it's always just good to, I don't know, take 30 minutes and just pick your brain about what's going on um, with the church. Friends, we have links to uh, articles or links to these topics uh, in the description. Um, and This conversation is brought to you from smartcatholics.com, the free online community for millennials, creators, and learners. Join the private Where Peter Is group that we've put together where you can ask questions, share insights, and suggest topics for next time. We work hard to keep it free of the trolls, uh, so it's actually a nice place to visit and chat about uh, all of these these things.
1: Yes, and visit wherepeteris.com to read articles, commentaries, and spiritual reflections by and for faithful Catholics who support the mission and vision of Pope Francis. And I just wanted to mention, there's an article that went up yesterday as we're preparing for Pentecost um, by uh, Deacon Tracy Jameson about, uh, it's a Carmelite theological reflection on Pentecost that's gotten a lot of good feedback. Um, So I encourage everyone to think about that and, and to read that one.
0: Take five on a Saturday and enjoy it. All righty, please hit the like button, subscribe to the Where Peter Is channel so that you never miss an episode of The Debrief.
1: And uh, support Where Peter Is on Patreon to help us continue to bring content like this to you.
0: Thank you for joining us, friends. When it comes to news and controversies in the Catholic Church, stay curious, informed, and engaged.
1: God bless you. God bless.